Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Good morning. You guys are... When I'm in the West Coast, I brag about how tough I am because I'm from the prairies, and then I come out here, experience this, and I, I go, oh, I'm such a wimp. I'm just used to rain, not snow anymore, and uh, all that jazz. Some people have asked me, because one of the ministries I'm involved in, uh, you support us through missions, is Axis Church. And just a quick, real quick snapshot. Uh, it's all about creating uh, house gatherings all around the world. And we do it through people just gathering, deciding to join with three people, and we have an online kind of technology where there's good teaching, good worship, there's always a God story. They gather together and then it's, called, it's kind of a simple church concept. Then they focus on just two things primarily, creating a community together and loving and caring for each other and then they collaborate on how they can reach their community. So it's really simple. And so, uh, you know, so there's... At this point, there's over 33 uh, people that have come in online at some point, 33 different countries represented already. And, uh, you know, I'll give you the high water mark, not the low water mark. High water mark, the one week, 2,900 people checked in at some point. Um, that's not always the case. I, I, I love the one um, group uh, in Kenya. They said, oh, we already have three gatherings. Over 100 people are gathering in those three gatherings. So... I just think we've just started, and I think this is um, elements of this uh, is viable all around the world. So, kind of, that's one of the things we're involved in. Ask me about it. Axis dot church. Let's uh, let's just pray. Our Father, Papa. You have a smile on your face as you look at your people today. You're delighted with them. You're delighted that just who they are and as they're walking with you, you're delighted in their activities. You're delighted in, in the things that they've talked about and they've acted on. And so, Papa, we just pray that you'd speak to us. We don't want to sing songs just about you. That's a little creepy. We want to sing songs to you, for you, as we walk with you. And so it's very personal, very personal. So, Papa, we just pray you'd speak to us through your word as we discover you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, my son teases me, uh, gives me a hard time about some of the cheesy things I watch on TV from time to time. And, um, but there was a couple movies uh, that came out a few years ago. One was called, I'm not endorsing that you watch these movies, just going to use it as illustration, because you could be offended, I don't know. Uh, one, of the, one of the movies is, uh, had uh, Tom Cruise and... Uh, Cameron Diaz called Night and Day, and 
Throughout the movie, Tom Cruise, this kind of super uh, spy kind of guy, as he's interacted, they've, him and Cameron have somehow, well, through a series of events, are now on this journey together. And so she wants to quit at numerous times. And he looks at her and he goes, you got to stay with me because when you're with me, your element of survival is this high. If you're not with me, this high. With me, without me. Throughout the movie, you get that piece of, you stay with me, you'll survive. This is a chance. Without me. How many remember that kind of movie that uh, have any kind of... Turn to somebody with Jesus <laughs> or without Jesus. Okay? Doing it yourself <laughs> and doing it with Him. Him desiring to do it through you rather than just trying to do it yourself. Another m- movie, I think it was called The CIA. Central Intelligence Agency, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Played football here, right? Didn't he? (laughs) I'd love you to say that if we brought him in here. It's kind of that uh, computer uh, courage, you know? You're the computer and Twitter, you got all the courage in the world. (laughs) Anyway, so Dwayne The Rock and uh, and my boy Kevin Hart. And so some point in time we find out The Rock is this uh, CIA agent and uh, he's on this this track and Kevin Hart, the high school buddies uh, from years ago, is this... um, unintended partnership that his buddy Dwayne The Rock has got him into. And so at some point, as this is all unraveling, Dwayne turns to uh, Kevin and he says, so are you in or are you out? Are you going to be in or are you going to be out? Kevin goes, I'm out. He goes, so you're in. He goes, no, no, I'm out. He goes, Dwayne goes, no, you're in, you're in. And so throughout this movie, as things go on, it's this challenge of is he going to be in or is he out? Kevin's always going, I want to go out. I I don't want this. I want this is scary. This is frightening. Even in the role of the disciples, there was a point where the crowds were following him and Jesus gives a really tough word about eating flesh and drinking blood. And it's just this whole imagery that is so surprising. The Bible says a lot of disciples left and they came to Jesus and they said, wow, this is a hard thing. And And Jesus says, so are you in? Are you out? And they said, well, where would we go? We're in. Where where would we go? Today I want to talk about unbelief because I believe good people with a measure of faith in their life miss out on God's promises because of unbelief that slips in. If you've ever taken notes, I encourage you to take notes today. Because you're going to come back and look at some of these verses and say, I want to dwell on these things a little bit more. We may have some of the verses up there. We may have some of the verses not up there. Good people with a measure of faith miss out on God's promises because of unbelief. I've talked to people like this. I've been this people before. 
And, and, and I've talked to them. I said, you know, God is, God is going to work this out. I even have a prophetic word for them to encourage them and, and share with them and a, and a verse to give them some, some hope. And, 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 and many times in the midst of the challenge, they'll say to me, I sure hope so. Which I can feel their heart when they say, I sure hope so, that's going to turn around. But can I tell you, that phrase is usually associated with unbelief. That many times when I've said, I sure hope so, God's going to come through. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to answer that prayer. He's going to do, I sure hope so. And what many times I care for the people, and when I've said it, 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 it kind of represents that I'm just in the battle here. Many times when you say that, it's, there's unbelief. Unbelief keeps you from inheriting all that God has promised you. Unbelief in those moments, whether it's wisdom that you prayed for, can fluctuate. James chapter 1, verse, verse 5. See, even in, in us asking for wisdom, we can actually doubt. Here's how he, he shows the unbelief asking for wisdom. So if you need wisdom, James 1.5, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Boom. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver Unbelief starting to creep in. Don't waver. I hope so. I hope he'll give wisdom. I, I need wisdom. I sure hope he does. Don't waver for a person with divided loyalty. Say the word divided loyalty. The two words. Divided loyalty. Divided loyalty. It's wavering. There's divided loyalty starting to happen. The, the DI words. The we have vision, and then there's a division that gets in there, right? I'm heartened at what God is going to do, and then I get disheartened. It's a, it's a dividing. Divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unable, unstable in everything, in everything they do. When Jesus went to his hometown, Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, the Bible says he did very few miracles in his hometown because the people looked at him and said, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that Mary and Joseph's firstborn that we kind of wonder about? Her having that child, isn't that, isn't that Jesus? Matthew 13, 15 says, and so he only did a few miracles there because of their, last word, unbelief. It just creeps in. Unbelief is when you have faith that God is able to do it, but you're not too certain that he'll fulfill his promise this time. You're certain of every promise in God's word. You believe it to be true. You're trusting in eternity. You've had, you have a measure of faith. You're growing in the Lord. 
But the problem you're facing now, although there's a promise from God that you've either read or God has deposited in your heart with the rhema word, and in the midst of that point, you're wondering, oh, I sure hope he comes through this time. You can still have faith in God, be trusting him for all the many things, but you're not certain this time he will fulfill his promise. Uh, you heard the kind of a corny story, but it's a good story of, of the guy that crossed, you know, the, puts a rope on the, over across the Niagara, walks across, the crowds are going crazy. He goes, I got a wheelbarrow, and he goes, do you believe that I can cross Niagara on this rope with the wheelbarrow? Yes, you can. He walks across, back and forth, back and forth. Everybody's going, yeah, yeah, you can do it. He says, do you believe I can put somebody in the wheelbarrow and we cross? Yeah, yeah, you can do it. He says, now you, you come out here, come on in. Oh, got a little unbelief there creeping in my heart. I believe you can, believe it's possible, but I'm not too sure this might be the only exception, and it'll be the exception that happens when I'm in the wheelbarrow. And there's the unbelief. So, Mark chapter five. I think I have this for you. If you don't pull up a... Pull up a scripture verse in your app or your, your Bible. Jesus, Mark 5, 21. I'm going to read a little bit of a story. Okay. Jesus got into the boat again and went out, back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. So she's very, very sick. He said, please come Lay your hands on her, heal her, so she can live. And Jesus went with him. So if you've invited Jesus to come and heal your daughter and he comes with you, there's a pretty good chance something's going to happen, right? He's heard you. He's coming with you. Wow. All the people followed, crowding, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal for many doctors over the years. She'd spent everything she had to pay, and she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. How many can relate to that? Just, just been praying, it's gotten worse. Then she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, I think another translation, so she said to herself, this was her line of reasoning that was deposited in his heart, her heart. If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. If that would just happen, it's gonna change. And immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. And then Jesus also realized power had gone out from him, turned to the crowd and said, who touched my robe? Disciples said, hey, look, everybody's pressing against you. What are you talking about? We're all bumping into each other. No, no, somebody touched me. He kept looking. Finally, the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to, his, to her feet in front of him and said that she had. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering's over. Your faith, okay. 
While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. How many know the timing usually of miracles is different than you were anticipating the timing to be? Block there. I mean, in the journey of my life, I just go back, but I thought it was going to happen this way. And that was the key. I thought it was going to happen that way. My man, it's just so disappointing. Mary and Martha is kind of a similar story. They, brothers dying, and they call for Jesus, and he shows up days too late. In fact, they said, Jesus, if you were here, there'd been a miracle. Who says it's too late? Who says it's not the perfect timing? You're all of a sudden God and know the perfect timing? I know the odds have gotten worse, but honestly, this is God. So don't put your hope and eyes on the timing. Put your hope and eyes on God and his promise. What is his promise to me? I don't know the timing, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to look to him. And then the other thing in this verse is, isn't there always somebody who comes along just about the time the miracle's about to take place and they tell you a sad story or a bad story or a difficulty and, or you hear news of something that's worse? You tell somebody that you've got symptoms of cancer in your body and they proceed to tell you four people who died with those very same symptoms to encourage you? Oh, yeah, my uncle had those very same things. Died within 30 days. Why, why, like, why do we, like, we want to connect with them and we tell them these stories? Sometimes after a couple of those stories, I'll stop and say, anybody here got a good story? Anybody got a faith story? Anybody got a miracle story? Thank you, but I don't want to listen to that. Don't trouble them anymore. It's too late. But Jesus overheard them, and now here is the word of God. Now you're getting a word from God to your situation. Whether you've read the word of God and it's been quickened in your heart, or God deposited a word of God into your spirit that he was going to do something, Jesus overhears and says to Jairus, don't be afraid, don't be fearful, which I'll talk about in a moment, why? Just have faith. Don't let unbelief start creeping in here. We've got to put our faith in action. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. So he says, you guys stay here. We're going ahead. When they got to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion, weeping, and wailing. And he went inside with Peter, James, and John. He says, why all this commotion and weeping? They said, the child, uh, uh, weeping, and motion, weeping and commotion. Jesus said, the child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Another confirmation of God's word spoken, in this case, directly to Jairus, that in the perspective of heaven, and the tempor temporariness of this difficulty, she's asleep and she can be awakened. Most people would call it she's dead, but I'm going to do a miracle. 
And what does the crowd do? They laughed. There's always people who will laugh at the promises of God. They'll tell you the stories that they had promises like that and believed when they had naive faith, but now they're much mature and they don't see any miracles at all, but they're grounded in reality. You'll always have people around who will be like that. They laughed. So he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said, well, he gave these words, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up, walked around. They were overwhelmed, totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict instructions, don't tell anybody. And they gave her something to eat. So he leaves the crowd that were, were by the woman who had been healed with her, the bleeding issue. He comes to the home where Jairus is. There's people weeping, wailing, keeps them out. And he brings only five people into the room. My question is, are you part of the five or are you part of the crowd? Are you the ones that he's inviting in because you're going to have faith to believe? Or are you letting unbelief to creep in and you're part of the crowd that are doubting it? Are you, the, are you in? As the rock would say, are you out? Is Jesus inviting you in because we want faith like that? We don't, we don't need to doubt. I don't need a report of how many people died with this situation. I don't need the cynics who are laughing and questioning. I'm looking for the people who are keeping rooted in their faith and trusting God and not allowing divided loyalty at this time into the circumstance. We leave a lot of things to the sovereignty of God. God wants to do it, he can do it. Good theological position, I don't doubt it. I concur with it. You're not gonna see a lot of miracles with, from that position. Because mixed in that word of theologically correct language is the element of unbelief. So he may, he may not. I don't want you hurt. And so they miss out. I don't have it up on the screen for you, but <clears throat> one in Mark 9, 23, one of the men in the crowd called out to the teacher, Jesus, I brought my son here to be healed. He couldn't get healed. Your disciples couldn't do anything. Jesus in verse 19 says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long can I put up with this whole thing? Bring the boy here. And they bring the boy. And how long has this been happening? Since he's been a boy, he's been trying to kill himself. A spirit of death and suicide, I don't know. All that's there. It's demonic anyway. Whatever it is, demonic. He's been thrown into the fire. And uh, the father says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. The, uh, new, 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 the Passion Translation says, what do you mean if I can? What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? Like, you're wondering whether I have enough power? Is it... You're trusting in the sovereignty of God? 
Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father there instantly cries out, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I'm not suggesting that the father's comments here are even, um, you know, it's not God speaking, it's a man struggling, but there's this element of saying, I have faith in you, but in moments like this, I don't think it will actually happen this time. And Jesus Jesus healed the boy. So in our Christian lives as we walk through, we constantly come as we're, we're wanting to be people of kingdom culture. We need to address this area of unbelief to see God's purposes fulfilled as he's desiring to do. And you start knowing his purpose because as you draw closer to him, your heart begins having the passion that the Father has. And you begin to see people differently and you begin to act differently because you're, you're seeing through, through his eyes. And, and as you see people, you begin to be unified in your focus of what God's purposes are and not having a divided loyalty to some of the challenges we face on earth, but you have a loyalty to, to what the Father intends to do. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's going to be my focus. I'm not going to have a divided loyalty. Don't tell me 3,000 stories of things that have happened with people who've had a divided loyalty. Tell me the stories of the people who have had a loyalty. And maybe there's been challenge, and maybe their timing has been way off. But tell me those stories of people that said, I, I've had times of unbelief, but I'm going to put... I'm going to battle that and keep my, I'm going to keep believing. I have faith that God is able to do anything. But this circumstance, I'm going to take his promise. I'm going to remind myself of what he deposited in my heart, even though it looks bad, even though it looks like it's over. I'm going to, I'm going to keep holding on to that. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm not going to let that distrust. I'm going to have trust. I'm not going to allow a divided trust. This is a separating. That's where you start separating the word of God from your faith. And that's called unbelief. Yeah, you can still have faith in so many things. You can sing all the songs and lead us and pastor the church even. We all struggle with this area, but will he do it this time for you? Oh, I hope so. I, I, know, I feel your pain. I've been there in that pain where I've even wondered too. But can you battle with me and take a hold of his promises today? God's giving you an ability, but disability has started to creep in. God's giving you affirmations of what he does, and now you're getting dis, uh, there's, you're being disaffirmed, or you're being disbarred, or you're having disbelief, or there's not contentment, but discontentment. There's disheartening. You're not liking, but you're disliking. You're disowning. Instead of courage, there's discouraging. All of those things are dividing, and it happens to all of us. We all walk through those moments where it's really, really tough, and will he do it this time for you and for me? Let me keep moving, because I want to give you some practical steps. Hebrews 3 says, make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Your hearts can grow evil and unbelieving. Listen to his, his, his word. I want to give you three things very practically and pragmatically that you and I can walk in to overcome the unbelief that we all face that creep in. Even if you sang this morning with all your heart, 
There's questions about whether he's going to come through with, with that promise for you tomorrow. Number one, the question I ask you is, what is God's will for your circumstance? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does God's word say about that just generally? That is his written word to you. So if you're having trouble believing the words that he deposited in your heart, well, about starting with just believing the words he's already written down for us and the promises he's given to you and given to me. And I want to suggest to you that you need to and I need to repent of the unbelief that's in our heart. We're scared of that word, but repent means you're going to change your mind. You're going to turn from where you were thinking before and turn your heart to saying it, it is going to happen. It's not, I'm hoping so. It's, I'm going to turn and repent that I've been thinking this way. I'm going to put my hope fully in God and his word to me. I'm going to turn from my unbelief and I'm going to declare and put my hope in God. A few years ago, we had purchased a vehicle and the story is, is, uh, goes on too long, but we purchased a vehicle that our son was going to have, and uh, I remember when we had gotten it, we were so excited. It had to be a certain color and a certain place. We bought another city. We got it down the road, and there was problems. My heart grew a little sickened by, oh, we've come this way, and now there's problems in this. And you know, you know what unbelief would say? Oh, boy, you know, here we go again. And so we rallied our faith and said, you know what? No, we believe God led us here. We believe God was answering our prayer. We believe he led us to this vehicle. Let's trust God in this. Let's give thanks in it. I'm going to call the place. They called up and they said, oh, wow, that's too bad. Listen, why don't we take it to the dealership and the dealership can deal with it. Oh, great. So we were excited. Took it to the dealership. They repaired it. We're on our way home. We get home and I get a phone call from the dealership. And they said, listen. The vehicle that we had repaired under warranty with 100,000 K actually is a vehicle that used to be registered in Montreal and has over 250,000 kilometers on it. And they said, doesn't have warranty and you got a lot older car than you thought you did. What would you do? Heart gets disheartened. I got discouraged. Man, we ever get ripped off. I can't believe it. This happened. So my heart, well, we're going to put our faith in God. We're going to choose to have belief and not unbelief. So we put, we're going to rejoice in this. We're going to thank God that he's brought this circumstance in our lives. I don't know why. I don't know the timing, but I know he's promised. He's going to be with us. Called up the dealership. They seemed surprised. I don't know why they turned the odometer back, but they seemed surprised. And we went through this whole process of what they weren't going to do and so forth. And well, and basically, as the time went on, they finally said, hey, we'll take it and we'll reimburse the things that you've actually done on it. Just don't go to you know, the consumer and rat us out kind of thing. And, through the, and so I kind of at the end of that, I kind of went, Lord, what was that all about? Brought the cars this way and so hyped down. And there was a few other ups and downs. And I felt in my spirit, the Lord was just saying, I just wanted to teach you in the midst of the circumstances to put your faith in me no matter what happens in those times. And I realized every one of those times was a moment of potential unbelief because the circumstances turned another way. I did say, wow, am I so fickle? I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm sad. What's, what's wrong with me? This is crazy. I was walking through this motion where we are facing every day in our lives those moments where unbelief wants to creep in. But what is God's will for you? What does the Bible say about this? What did you feel in your spirit when you were praying about this? Did God drop a word? Or did he make a live a verse in the word come alive to you? 
Are you looking at the wind and the waves? Or are you quickly looking back at the master? Peter looked at the winds and waves and kept his eyes there. Trust me, you'll go down. But when the winds and the waves are there, you are smart enough to recognize them, but keep your eyes back on the Lord and say, I'm going to put my trust in you. I don't understand these things, but I know what your promise is, and I'm going to stand on that promise, and I'm going to, I'm going to repent of the unbelief because I know this is your will. What is your promise? What does your word say? I'm going to speak out with my lips what your promises are. I'm going to eradicate doubt. And I'm going to think on the things that are good and lovely, of good report. And, and, and the promise of God declaring them and speaking them out. When Adam and Eve were tempted, they weren't tempted to adultery. Well, I guess there was nobody to have adultery with. But they weren't tempted with adultery. They weren't tempted with greed. They weren't uh, tempted in all sorts of things. What were they tempted in? To disbelieve God's word. That is the battle that's happening in all of us. To disbelieve that that word is right for you. That his word is not trying to keep something from you. He wants to give all things to you. But when we think that he's holding back on us, the temptation is, but not for you, not for this time, maybe for somebody else, not your promise. God's promises are true. He has a purpose in your life. He has goodness. He's not holding back on you. Number two, reject the fear. We sang about it. We sang about it. We've got to reject the fear that comes in at times in our lives. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but everything with every circumstance and everything by prayer and petition which are definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Anxiety, fear, doubts, questions. They're all restlessness, anxieties that rise in our heart. At the root of all, of the root of unbelief is fear. Fearful that what could happen. It's, ama it's amazing how you and I have such great imaginations of all the things that could actually happen in this situation. You're brilliant. And then he says, imagine using that imagination with what I can do in you. I'm going to do it beyond what you can even imagine or think. You've got an imagination that keeps you up all night thinking of all the things that could go wrong in this. Imagine if, if he's giving you the imagination to think of all the things that could go right about this. Right? So at the root of that, at the root of that of that unbelief is fear. It won't happen. Worry starts settling in in your mind, anxiety, and then all the, your body starts reacting to the anxiety that you're feeling. Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Believe. You need to declare fear, fear to be gone in your life. You need to speak the words of faith and life and, and speak to the fear to be gone in your life. You need to reject the times where there's fear and replace it with prayer. Talk to God about those circumstances, situations, realizing that unbelief that's starting to, to come in like a fog or like a snowstorm, that uh, at the root of it is fear. It won't happen and it begins to grip you. Number three. These all go together, but number three, receive the fullness of God's love for you. Because if you forget his love for you, it's easy to start fearing. First John 4.16 says, 
God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, for, but we can face it with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Beginning to dwell and remember and recall the elements that God's word says how important you are. If you could see what God sees in you and sees how he sees the value in you and recognizes love that the devil wants us to doubt, fear would start dissipating. In those points where like the storm is coming and Jesus is sleeping in the boat, he's not acting in our timetable and the storm is getting bad and we're, we're experienced enough that storms like this kill people and we wake Jesus up and we say, don't you care? Like that is crazy. And yet my prayers have those same words at times as I'm calling to God to say, do you see the problem? Do you see these things? Don't you even care about me? And then I tell him all the things I've accomplished for him, which doesn't impress him very much. But don't you care? Is that the root of it? Don't you care? What are you talking about? I sent my son to die for you. And you're wondering why I don't care? In the midst of you going your way while you're at your worst, I sent my son to die for you. And not just die for you. He came and died as you. And you're not try, trying to beg God to do something for you because he's done this transaction for you. Jesus has died as you so that you can actually be seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm not asking God to do things. I'm just trying to live out what he's already done. What have you done in the storms? Don't you care? The hymn goes, um, of course you care. Of course you care. We question his love and the matters. We need to say, God, I just want to receive your love. I want to think on what your word says about me. You love me. You sing songs over me. I'm so aware of my shortcomings. But you, you see in me the, the spirit of God. You see Christ in me. Receive him today. You know, if you're here and you've never received God's love and forgiveness... Um, that's where it starts, recognizing that God loved the world so much that he gave his son. And this morning, I'm inviting you, if you haven't begun that journey, to, uh, to respond today by saying, you know, I realize Jesus did die for my sins and I need to receive him into my life. I, I just want to say a few words over you in closing. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I just want you to receive a few things. I'm going to take, take just three more minutes and then Pastor Ben's coming. Just close your eyes for a moment. Jesus is saying to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you're, you're going to loose on earth today will be loosed in heaven. From Matthew 18, 18, I now loose the blessings of God on my life to flow into my life, I expect to be overtaken by his goodness. I'm here today and I put off the old man. I put on a new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of God that created me. 
I'm not fighting the old man. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. And I trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I choose today not to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to acknowledge you, Lord, in all my ways. Today, I thank you, Father, that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, that I'm redeemed from the curse of poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. I'm confessing today, Lord, that there is no lack in my life, for your word says that you supply all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, I declare my arteries will not shrink or be de- or clogged, but will be opened. I pray my arteries will be clean and function as you created them to be. In fact, Lord, I speak over all my body today that every function today would function as you created it to be. My heart would be restored back to its normal size. That you'd strengthen, Lord, the joints that have gotten um, acidic and destructive that you'd bring wholeness and life to them in Jesus' name. I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water that no matter what I do, I'm gonna bring forth in season. It doesn't matter what the economy does today. It doesn't matter what the world does. My leaf shall not wither and whatever I do will prosper. The grace of God even makes my mistakes to prosper today. And I know that I'm increasing in the knowledge of God and I'm strengthened with all the might according to your glorious riches. I put off the old man and I put on the new man today. No evil can befall me. No plague will come near my tent for angels are watching me. So driving on these roads, your angels are watching over me. So today we just want to receive your goodness, your life, your hope, the purposes you have. I confess, Lord, the unbelief that so quickly comes in and I repent of it. I turn from it and I look back to your word. I declare it today to be true and right. And I ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Ben. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.